I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Remember, we were shipwrecked together. Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And if you want to be the first to hear these bonus midweek podcasts, become a Sound Opinions member on Patreon. We do appreciate everyone who supports the show in that way. The idea of the Desert Island Jukebox, Greg, we explain it every week, but people must know by now. A track we can't live without and we never ever run short of those. So give us a hint on what you're going to add into the jukebox today. Well, Jim, we recently reviewed the new Jack White album, and that got me thinking about that era in the late 90s, early 2000s, centered around this revival of rock music, White Stripes being in the middle of that. But I'm going to play a song from that era. That period of Meet Me in the Bathroom, Decadence is back, Rock is back. Okay, I'm excited to hear that. All right, we are back, and Greg, uh, before we get into your track for the Desert Island Jukebox, I just have to give a plug to one of my favorite TV shows. As you know, I'm a geek when it comes to, like, building and sculpting and painting miniatures, right? The Repair Shop, this English show, now there's, like, 60 (laughs) uh, episodes of it on Discovery. I used to have to try to find it on the net. Three wonderful, cool antiques come in every week, and these expert craftspeople repair them. They had a 50s jukebox Mm -hmm. in the episode I just caught last night and like the innards of that thing and how hard it was to repair it so we just better make sure if we have a jukebox on the desert island we keep the sand out of the guts because <laughs> there's no way we're going to be able to call a repair person all right let's get on that well, hey, well, thing to think the repair shop on discovery what what do you got you know i was thinking about this era the early 2000s and i just remember all the excitement around all these new bands coming out of new york in particular new york city seemed to be mm-hmm. an epicenter of a, lo- a lot of that scene of course every city well, it's worth had its own little scene going on similar to that where there seemed to be a revival. There was this wave of dance music coming across from uh, people like Chemical Brothers you know, yeah, yeah. invading the charts and people were saying, well, rock is dead. And yeah. then Corporate, chart-topping yeah. uh, EDM. Yeah. Yeah. And rock's not dead. Of course it, rock it wasn't. Rock never dies. It just <laughs> mutates. So there was a bunch of bands from New York that became big during this era, relatively speaking. The first and foremost were the Strokes. And I remember seeing them open for Guided by Voices at the Empty Bottle when they were just starting out before mm. their first record even came out. Already, they were, you know, a fully formed band. You could tell they had it all together. They had the look, they had the sound, they had the songs. It was all there in place. Many of the other bands in that scene had clunkier starts, This, yeah. which, which is why I think the Strokes kind of popped out of that pack and here's the band of that era, you know, this, right? The that Strokes everybody thinks had, of. had this tiny, tiny, tiny rehearsal room that right. where they spent, you know, eight to ten hours a day, every day. Right. And they really got it together before they ever stepped on stage. They, they worked it out. And so, so who were you thinking that had well, a rougher start? Just about any of them. I saw like early shows by like the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs and the Walkman and Interpol. Mm. Interpol was a little bit better. You know, they were all kind of a little rough. Probably the roughest of them all was TV on the radio. Mm. I, I much, you know, they had, they'd gotten signed uh, by Corey Rusk at Touch and Go Records, as mm-hmm. did the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. People forget this little Chicago indie label. Well, yeah. not so little, really, but was really the starting point of some of these New York City bands because yeah. they couldn't get signed in New York. Anyway, 
anyway, I went to see a show that TV on the radio was playing in those early days, and it was a train wreck. It wasn't very good at all. They did not have their act together. They, they didn't know what they wanted to be. And what was a tremendous weakness at the time, or at least I thought, turned out to be their greatest strength. Because I think TV on the radio emerged from that scene as the most distinctive sounding of all of those bands. Yeah. Whereas a lot of those New York City bands from that era, and I include the Strokes first and foremost, wanted to evoke sort of that lower east side chic, you know, velvets, a modern velvet underground. Yeah, heroin you know, that chic, sort of thing cocaine energy. Going on, yeah. you know, a little Sonic Youth throwing mm. in there, you know, whatever the case may be. And it was good for what it was. I'm not denigrating at all, but TV on the radio seemed to be operating on their own planet. Yeah, you know? more and, ambitious. And, and Dave Sytek, the producer, had a lot to do with that, but uh, Tundi Adabimpe, the lead vocalist, I think was a marvelous songwriter and lyricist and really gave them a distinctive touch. And then they added Kit Malone on guitar and backing vocals at a certain point, and the sound just sort of coalesced. It became something special, different, distinctive, to the point where I would say I would take those five TV on the radio albums over any of the bands from that New York City scene. I would mm. say they had the best career of all those bands in terms of just quality music. Certainly the one that are still influencing uh, groups today. Absolutely. I think that's the thing about them. They were a forward-looking band with this kind of otherworldly sound, otherworldly lyrics. You know, the song that broke them, Wolf Like Me, want to play that, it evokes a black and white soundtrack for a werewolf movie from the 30s, hmm. you know, except with a very modern kind of feel to it, those rampaging drums, that eerie backdrop. Nothing else sounds like it from that era. And I think to this day, the band still sounds very contemporary because of that thinking. So um, great band, TV on the radio. The only sad part about this story is that their last record came out in 2014. Now, they have not broken up as far as not I can tell. Not officially. But yeah. where are these guys? We're More TV. Maybe yeah. we can get these guys to, to reunite and make another record for us. But anyway, here's a great track from uh, Return to Cookie Mountain, their 2006 album. Wolf Like Me from TV on the radio. Like me, TV on the radio. Man, that gets my blood going every single time. You know, I never forget when we reviewed that first album, you and I struggling to figure out how to pronounce Tunde Adabimpe's name. <laughs> I think we wound up calling over to Touch and Go. It might have been our friend Howard who was the publicist there. Right. Also, shout out if you've never heard Tunde's solo music or TV on the radio, Rachel Getting Married, the great Jonathan Demi film where Tunde Adabimpe at the wedding sings Neil Young's unknown legend a cappella. Oh. What a yeah. beautiful, beautiful moment. So good choice there, Greg. We could go on about TV on the radio for quite some time. But that is it for this bonus mm. episode. If you've got thoughts, start a conversation in the Facebook group. Leave a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org. And thanks, as always, to Sound Opinions producers Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, associate producer Sol Delgadillo, intern Mary Bernthal, and social media consultant Katie Cott. Thanks for listening.